listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. <clears throat> On today's program, we're going to take a look once again, do a deep dive in our analysis or our checking out of what's happening. Most of the people you know, overwhelmingly, whether they're religious or not religious or whatever they are, the vast majority of people you know are kind of sleepwalking through what I call zombie land. Now, sleepwalking through zombie land means simply that these people that you know and I know, for the most part, or at least on many levels, they're there. I mean, they're present to one degree or another. They appear to be thinking and analyzing and planning and whatever, and they may be very good at it. They may be very wealthy, very powerful. They just may be ordinary people. <clears throat> it's on the entire spectrum of life. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. The critical thing to understand is that the vast majority of people in the United States of America and the rest of the world are not fully awake in their minds and their spirits in their everyday life. And that's why I've been using the term things like cognitive dissonance, a trance state, scientific mind control, propaganda, hypnosis. Those are just a few of the words that I've been using for 40 years in trying to teach this stuff to people in an effort to wake them up so that they don't get decimated, destroyed, obliter obliterated by what has been coming for a long time. <clears throat> and just because it's been coming from a for a long time doesn't mean that it stopped coming. It, it, it hasn't stopped coming since I've been doing what I do. I didn't just start the Paul McGuire Report and the books and the conferences and all that stuff you know, a couple of years ago. I didn't, I didn't just start that, you know, like uh, 10 years ago. I didn't start that 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I started it at minimum 40 or 50 years ago. And if you really want a truth, the, the truth, the pursuit of truth began when I was the earliest years I can remember. And then started to accelerate it when I read books like Brave New World by Aldous Huxley in third grade in Jackson Heights, Queens. You see, for whatever reason, and I believe that every single one of us has a call of God uh, upon them for their lives, whether they realize it or not, whether they're religious or not, every single person that is born, God had a plan for. God had a plan for. He had a vision for them. That's why they were born in the first place. Let's look at this through purely linear logic for a moment. Let's just do a quickie uh, mental uh, uh, exercise in rational thinking and logic. Okay, so let's start with this foundational premise. Every single person who was here on planet Earth is here by design. True or false? Well, obviously it's true, because if you simply examine a person's biological body, their brain, their soul, spirit, their psychological being, their physical being, if you examine the vast complexity of all that stuff, I'm talking about microscopic particles, uh, some that are alive, some that are subatomic particles, and then the vibrational frequencies of these particles producing projections into what we call, you know, physical dimension reality. Now, that may have been kind of like a, a fast twirl, but the thing is that you see, 
the argument of design, the very fact that it is so stinkingly obvious, excuse me for the vulgarity, it is so obvious that if you even minimally have your brain turned on, it is blatantly obvious that by looking at the biological, psychological, psychological, neurological design of any human being, every human being's existence cries out that they're here by a plan, by a structure, by a design. Now, that enters us into like phase three of the analysis. If the other stuff was true, and it obviously is, then phase three must be true. You wouldn't be here by design. You wouldn't be composed biologically, neurologically, psychologically in terms of your energy waveforms and stuff. All of that would not be functioning. It would not be designed and up to speed and, and up and running. It would not even be there if there was not behind all of that, there's some kind of engineer, there's some kind of software engineer. There has to be, since the complexity of the design is so enormous and the capacity of the design is so enormous, there has to be, by any logical progression of thought, there must be, there has to be, and obviously there is, a creator, capital C. Now, you can argue temporarily about the nature of the creator, the identity of the creator, but just put that on the shelf for a second, because before you even get there, it is impossible that if you're using your rational, logical mind, it is absolutely impossible to come to the conclusion that there is no designer, there is no engineer, there's no planner, there's no creator, capital C. You see, it's like anything in, in this world that we live in, and I use this analogy a lot because, I don't know, it comes to my mind a lot. You're walking on the beach, any beach you want. You're walking on the beach, okay? And the, the morning you're walking on the beach, there's nobody there. But let's say, hypothetically, the beach that you're walking on uh, was uh, 10,000 years ago. And I don't want to debate chronology right now. But let's just say, hypothetically, that this beach that you're walking on, this occurred 10,000 years ago. So obviously, there's an enormous amount of technology and science and engineering that has not yet been conceived, has not yet been implemented to the masses. The masses are not using it. And if you were walking on the beach 10,000 years ago and happened to come upon a cell phone and you, you picked it up, first thing, as you look at it and it lights up and stuff like that, and there's some like little videos playing and whatever, the first thing that would hit your mind as you picked up the cell phone is, it's like something like, wow, this is the most weird thing that I've ever seen in my entire life. I, I don't even know what this thing is or what it does. And you, and you study it, and then maybe you play with it week after week for a while, and you discover just by accident that by pressing certain buttons in sequence, different images and sounds come from this cell phone. Now, there's no way that you can look at the design of this invention or whatever you want to call it. I mean, 10,000 years ago, people may have picked up a cell phone, fell to their knees, and started worshiping it like it was a pagan idol or a pagan god, because it was simply, the technology was simply so far beyond anything that they'd ever seen before that these ancient civilizations may well have worshiped it, made sacrifices to it, believing it was God. 
highly possible. So whatever you're trying to process in your mind, you keep bumping against the wall, which is either this thing, the cell phone, designed itself, or this cell phone was built or created or designed by, by somebody or something with, with an enormous amount of intelligence and consciousness, etc. The cell phone is like evidence that the world that you temporarily are living in and all the other people who are living in, which for you consists of, you know, being near the ocean and walking on the beach. And other people have different geographic locations. But you keep bumping into the thought is, what is this cell phone? Because it's unlike anything else you see in nature. So what is this cell phone? Now, to come to the conclusion, attempting to use your rational, logical mind, you're attempting to give this cell phone some kind of category so you can understand it. And so, after struggling, you, you determine that the cell phone had to be made, built, designed by something or someone with an infinite amount of intelligence and ability and power. That is so, so far beyond that which any human being or, or civilization of that time possessed. It's like so far beyond it, it, it's, it dazzles you. And so, because it's 10,000 years ago, you say, okay, maybe uh, this is God, and I, I need to learn to understand the language coming out of the cell phone. Uh, I need to learn how to operate this cell phone because it has many mysteries in it. And so you decide that maybe this cell phone is God, like a Messiah that's come to the earth, or you decide that uh, the cell phone is a creation of some kind of super powerful, super intelligent being, a God, the God, a supreme being. And you certainly wouldn't come to the conclusion that our scientific establishment, our medical establishment, our uh, physics establishment, our governmental establishments, our societal establishments, our our schools of so-called higher learning, philosophy, science, biology, anthropology, whatever, our legal system, our, our engineering abilities, our, our scientific abilities, all of these power centers in our society are telling the masses and have convinced themselves that you and I are here on planet Earth simply by pure random chance or accident. And over an estimated span of somewhere between 200 million and 300 million years, um, Man mysteriously evolves from nothing, from a very primitive, non-living entity like a pebble that falls off a meteorite, you know, a zillion uh, light years away, or uh, a, a very microscopic, you know, one-celled living entity of some kind, and then just through random chance, just through accident. And so, so random chance, 
you say, well, that's how the world came into being. That's how man came into being. That's how our reality that man basically created most of it on many levels came into being. Now, if that's what you're accepting as your fundamental belief, you are not being rational at all. You are not being logical. You are not thinking on a, on a linear level. You are not using your intelligence at, at all because the conclusion that you've reached, which is your theory that man came into being by random chance accident over a 200 to 300 million year period, it's so ridiculous. It's so absurd from a logical, rational, intelligence based perspective. Nobody thinking in their right mind could ever, could ever come to the conclusion that the created order that we live in, and that man especially, the human being, nobody with even a fraction of a rational, logical brain could come to the absolutely absurd conclusion that the whole thing, including the evolution of man, was merely the byproduct of a completely accidental, random chance event known as evolution or the theory of evolution. Nobody, nobody with any ounce of intelligence. I mean, you could train a dog. Uh, recently, I have been taking care of a particular dog. I haven't had a dog in my life in a long time. But for whatever reason, I'm taking care of a particular dog. And so, being the kind of guy that I am, I, you know, first thing is I develop a relationship with the dog and I, I rediscover that, you know, uh, dogs have many human qualities. They need to be loved, they like to have attention. Uh, of course, they want to be fed and drink water. Uh, and of course, without being disgusting, what goes in must come out sooner or later. And so they have those biological needs. And then, uh, then you know, you, see, you look into the dog's eyes and you perceive that the dog has intelligence, that the dog has feelings, that the dog is very smart. In fact, I would have to say, you know, since it's been so many years since I really uh, was with a dog, uh, sense of strange. <laughs> um, I had forgotten what I knew in childhood because I grew up with a dog. Uh, the dog's name was Sam. He was a great dog. Anyway, so I had forgotten all the, the attributes and the personality and the intelligence and stuff that dogs have. Dogs can be sneaky. I mean, very sneaky. If they want something to eat that they're not supposed to have or whatever, they can be sneaky and they know how to get it. I mean, so dogs possess a wide range of abilities. Now, as I look at that dog, it is it's screamingly obvious to me that the, the uh, fact that a dog even exists in front of me, that, that I can communicate to and have a relationship with on whatever degree, is like very huge. It's a huge thing, if you think about it. And, uh, oh, and dogs have a instinct and intuition, which is absolutely mind-blowing. To use the old hippie expression, you know, vibes, vibrations, the Beach Boys had a hit song, something about vibrations. And, uh, well, you know, I've been studying, the Lord led me to study 
the subject of frequency and frequencies and vibrations and resonant frequency. He began leading me to study that area of science in an in in escalated way, in, in an accelerated way, approximately, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. And then God incrementally uh, motivated me through his still small voice and opportunity. He motivated me. I felt him urge me, in fact, push me to dive deeper into my study of frequency, vibrations, and things of that nature. And opening the, whenever I obey the Lord in, in, in going into researching something, when I'm researching whatever it is that the Lord initially is telling me to research, what happens is that inevitably the doors I go through initially, when, for example, I was researching frequency, vibrations, etc., those doors inevitably lead to other interconnected doors, which have an amazing amount, a warehouse amount of other additional vital information that I would never, ever have come across or attempted to understand if the Lord had not initially uh, urged me to study the subject of frequencies. Because I really didn't know that much about frequencies. I mean, I was a radio talk show host, and I thought about frequencies in relationship to being a radio talk show host, nationally syndicated and broadcasting from a studio with a geographic location uh, near the John Wayne Airport. And I, I, I remember seeing various radio towers in Southern California that were enormous. But I knew our signal wasn't coming from one of those radio towers, even though our signal geographically had an enormous outreach. Enormous. And the reason for that enormous outreach was not how many watts we were pumping out, not whether it was AM or FM. And all of these things matter, by the way. But I would say the single most powerful factor which multiplied the power of our broadcast, the reach of our broadcast, it, you could call it a force multiplier, was the fact that the broadcasting tower was located on an island off the coast of Southern California, out in the Pacific Ocean. So when, and of course there was a direct electronic connection between the radio studio and the island, but what would happen is, is when the broadcast was being broadcasted, and I'm not an engineer, so I can't explain to you how it actually works other than on a, on a very basic level. So what would happen was the, the, my show and the other programming on the radio station would be broadcast from this large radio tower on top of a mountainous hill on this island. Okay? So when that frequency, that AM frequency, uh, began to broadcast or transmit from the tower, I don't know how it works like physically, if I had to map it out to you, but a certain percentage of the radio signal was going, you know, like probably not too far above ground or ocean level. Let's just say a hypothetically 50 to 200, 300 feet. I mean, I'm making the, the, the footage up. Uh, let's say uh, part of the broadcast was like going across the ocean and going across the land. 
uh, let's say, you know, approximately 300, 400 feet high. Okay, so that would not, in the long run, that would not give it the power and the ability to reach an enormous geographic footprint or territory. And then you would have the, 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 the percentage of the broadcast signal, which would be somewhat, I guess, in the, in the range or the height of what most traditional AM and FM radio stations and wherever their transmitting tower is located. You know, you've seen those kinds of radio broadcast towers. They're tall. They usually have a blinking red light on them so an airplane or helicopter doesn't hit it. And they're tall. I mean, they're taller than any building around it. I'm talking about skyscraper. And uh, I don't know, you know, the footage of that, but it's, you know, I'm going to guess in the thousands. And so you have a very large part of your signal, your your broadcast, going in that, let's just say, from a thousand feet up, okay, which is where most traditional AM and FM broadcasting towers. Are reaching, but that puts limitations on your outreach ability. What we had, and I to this day I know it was a God thing because I don't think anybody. Well, no, people knew about it obviously, but a lot of people who should have known about it for financial reasons did not know about it. Even though these were the big media corporations, they did not know about it because they're too busy to think about something that. Because they don't understand it, and the people advising them probably didn't understand it. And this is what I'm alluding to. A, a significant percentage of that broadcast signal bounced off the Pacific Ocean, which the Pacific Ocean, as you looked at the map of California, all the way up to the top of California, and we had another station that was in the middle of California that reached to the top of California and every square inch of Northern California even across the border, the northern border of, of, of California. So between just those two radio shows, the footprint was massive. So, But what really made it massive, why you could hear this station everywhere, was because it was bouncing off the Pacific Ocean water. And I don't, I'm not an engineer or a scientist, so I can't tell you why that caused the radio signal to multiply, but it did. Now, I don't know if that had to do with ions or had to do with the, the salty nature of the ocean water or just the water itself or, or other scientific factors. I, I can't tell you that because I'm not an engineer. But I can tell you that it, it was a scientific fact, and it is a scientific fact, that if there's a radio station broadcasting, let's just say on AM, and its broadcasting tower is located on top of a, a small mountainous, a small mountain, um, uh, when that transmission occurs from that station, your signal power, your ability to reach people, your geographic footprint of, of what territory you can reach, reach vastly expands, and the power of your signal is felt with an impact. So it functions as a force multiplier. Our secret weapon was the fact that our radio station signal had a broadcast tower which hydroplaned on the Pacific Ocean, I don't know, bounced off the Pacific Ocean. Whatever it did when it interacted with the Pacific Ocean, which was the which covered the entire territory of the 
the, the you know earth soil part of California, all the way from the north to the south, there's one massive border known as the Pacific Ocean, and so that multiplied our signal, and would send it down into Mexico. It would send it down to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. It was just mind blowing because it was multiplying its power when it interacted with the Pacific Ocean. Now, why, why is that important? Because that is a clue, or let's put it this way, when you walk through that door of understanding and, and understand all the implications of that fact, that will inevitably lead you directly to other doors which if you walk through the other doors, after walking through the first doors, you're not going to enter, if you're following God, and you're activating the mind of Christ, you're not going to be stuck in a, a matrix or a maze. You're not going to be, you know, overwhelmed and confused or lost. What, you, what you're going to find is that by walking through these doors, you're going to end up exposing yourself to all kinds of vitally important information and knowledge so that when you apply all this newfound knowledge to life, you're, you have a force multiplier in the, the spiritual battle for life or the physical battle for life. The military, as I've discussed with you before, and I explained in my books, like the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world. The military has always been strategic, scientific, and always has secretly relied on occultic powers throughout the history of mankind. In addition to that, the, the more recent modern military, because it's so involved with technology, uses an expression known to the military as a force multiplier. And a force multiplier is some kind of non-traditional military asset or property or thing or person or dynamic that when you place what they call this force multiplier, a force multiplier could be uh, uh, an, an acceleration of the wind, assuming it's going in the direction that's advantageous to you to win a battle, or an outpouring of a rainstorm, which might be necessary for the military to win a strategic battle, depending upon the timing of the rainstorm, etc. So all of these things, these additional non-traditional military assets, are then labeled as force multipliers. What they do is they take an existing asset, if, if, that's assuming you use whatever property or thing we're talking about in the proper manner. But let's say, let's just hypothetically talk about water and talk about wind. I mean, those are natural elements that God has put into our created world for, for countless reasons. But they can function, water and wind can function as force multipliers and give a military a, a superior advantage because that military is now in possession or harnessing very, very powerful forces that it normally would not harness or that its, its adversaries or enemies would not harness. So depending upon what we're talking about in the timing, 
all kinds of things can be used by the military in the United States to function as force multipliers, which simply means that when these agents, these properties like water, wind, or whatever, uh, when they come near or in proximity to um, a, a force, I mean, wind and water are forces in and of themselves because of their properties, their physical properties. And so the military developed this term, force multiplier, to open up an entire arena of discussion, of thinking, of planning, of military operations, of strategies, labeling something like a force multiplier changes human consciousness in the private internal discussions at the highest ranks of the military. And when you begin to discuss a relatively new concept, at least in, in, in the sense of talking about it, like force multipliers, you're, you're opening yourself and your military up to receiving knowledge-based resources from either the intellectual scientific realm or perhaps the intuitive mystical realm or whatever. And you learn that if you can identify what a force multiplier is in any given combat or military situation, and after you identify what a potential force multiplier may be, then when you learn how to harness or use or apply your force multiplier to the original force, whatever that is, wind, rain, physical people, food supply, whatever it is, you can multiply whatever yield of power, energy, economy, military victory, or whatever a certain thing, entity, property, invention, or whatever it can produce. When you understand the concept of it being a potential force multiplier, you open up an entire world of possibilities, new possibilities in terms of uh, harnessing previously unused or previously ignored massive power. So you're entering these military battles, but you've opened up an entirely new dimension of warfare, and that is to the degree that you can identify and understand and know how to apply the force multipliers, which may be embedded in your military environment. But, but in previous years, nobody was paying attention. And if you're the first to identify this force multiplier, if you're the first to understand it, if you're the first to harness it technologically, if you're the first to use it in a military situation which gives you the decisive victory, then this force multiplier becomes an incredible, incredible military asset, previously unknown. Okay, so back to, to the story of the radio broadcasting uh, giant antenna from our radio station. The giant antenna for the radio station was built on an island off the coast of Southern California. And when it broadcast its AM signal, that signal would interact with the Pacific Ocean and vastly multiply the power of the signal the geographic footprint or how big the outreach from the signal, how much territory you could reach, the clarity of your signal, the ability of your signal 
to over override or overwhelm, let's say, a competing radio signal, because sometimes when they give a radio station a, li- a license to broadcast, they're not as accurate as they should be in terms of what that specific numerical AM or FM frequency, you know, they're not precise enough. And so what happens is you can have a, a very powerful radio station and a very powerful transmission coming from another state or something, but because whatever technical precision wasn't adhered to, that powerful signal from another state is bumping into your signal, and sometimes it literally, you've all been in the car when this happens, the the other station, maybe in another state, it overrides the signal from the state you're in. And you can't hear the signal from the radio station in the state you're in. You can only hear the signal that's overriding it. And you've all experienced that many times in your life. And it's annoying, especially if you want to hear the local radio station. You know, let's say it's a song you like or a program you like, and you're really into it. And then out of the middle of nowhere, there will be a a, a station broadcasting a signal either from another nation or another state. And the two signals bump into each other, but the one from the other state is a more powerful signal. And so it literally overrides or erases the signal of the thing that you really want to listen to. And it's very frustrating. Okay, so my point here is when you analyze anything in the battle of life, the spiritual battle of life, for the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world, which is the title of a relatively new book I've written. All of these things convey the idea that there's a, a large degree of struggle and battle in every one of our lives in this temporary world. Now, that is not just, you know, my passing opinion. That also happens to be the perspective of God, the biblical God, written down in the battle in the bible you will notice that there are many accounts of battles and in, in all those accounts of battles you see that there are two kinds of people one group of people that are open to god who you could call the children of god and another group of people who are opposed to god who you could call the enemies of god and so there's a warfare or a battle going on between these two different groups of people. And you see that when God's people call upon God throughout history and meet God's conditions, what you see is that um, when God's people call upon him, when God's people adhere to his commandments and adhere to his ways, follow his ways, all of a sudden in this battle, and we're all in this battle, like, right, you know, we are all, every single one of us, in this battle at this very moment in space and time. Every single person listening, myself included, all of us together, the reality is we are all in this battle that I'm talking about right now at this second on planet Earth. We're in a massive spiritual battle, and under the umbrella of the massive spiritual uh, battle, There is the battle for the physical world, 
and the physical world's assets, such as energy supplies, such as military power, such as uh, uh, the ability to grow food and feed your people, the ability to access water. I mean, there's all kinds of things. So, in addition, each one of us is experiencing conflicts and spiritual battles and physical battles of various kinds that represent the potential threats that are unfortunately part of our existence living in this fallen world. Because as you know, according to the Bible, the world that we live in right now is a fallen world. People have a fallen nature, and as such, the very fact that we live in a fallen world surrounded with people with a fallen human nature, the very fact that that is a fact puts us in a position, whether we like it or not, where we understand that we have various adversaries and various enemies. And so we are forced to defend ourselves offensively and defensively from these enemies and from these adversaries in the world that we live in. Because according to the Bible, the world that we live in is a fallen world. And so when you take this truth and and zoom in as far as you can so that you can understand the totality of this truth, you come to the place where you recognize that God created this world originally, and all the people of the world originally, the earth was to create, was created to be a total paradise. In terms of sustainability, God designed the world and the Garden of Eden to be beyond sustainability. There, there was, it was built into God's original design that there would be no lack, no poverty, no lack of food or water or uh, enemies attacking you. Those things were never part of God's original plan. Those things came about due to the fall of man and the fact that we now live in a fallen world. And when you get to the very highest level of understanding how this whole thing plays out in your own personal life and on a global level, you see that there there exists the supreme being, the true God, the biblical God, the creator God of the universe, capital C, Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. You see that that is true. And then you see also simultaneously that a rebellious fallen angel a fallen angel who was made second in command of God's forces under God. His name was Lucifer, which means the light bearer, or Satan, which means the father of lies. So this fallen angel of the highest order, Satan or Lucifer, who who spellbound um, a massive percentage of the fallen angels to come and follow him and worship him as God, and they, in turn, enlisted millions of human beings to serve and worship Lucifer as God. All of these people are in rebellion from God, in rebellion from God's order, and seek to destroy permanently God, God's angels, and God's people. And thus, we're in an all-out war right now, and every one of us are affected and impacted by this war. And so, the only way we can find freedom is to read God's Word, understand in depth the nature of the spiritual and physical warfare that we are in, and then 
as God teaches us in his word, apply the truths and the knowledge embedded in God's word on how to wage spiritual warfare and law-abiding and peaceful physical warfare, and then learning how to apply these things and harness these things. We enter the battle not based on emotionalism, not based on you know, being a zealot, you know, blindly crazed to follow some kind of ideology or dogma. No, we don't enter the battlefield on the wrong basis, because then we will implode. We enter, enter the battlefield using, to the highest degree possible, the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, the guidance of God, the laws of God, the Word of God. In other words, God speaks to us through His Word, but God is the source, capital S, of all our wisdom, knowledge, guidance. He's the source of victory, the source of healing, the source of everything. And when we worship the true God, when we worship the true God, we connect ourselves or our nation, our family, or our community, or our world. We connect all of those sectors to God. And when we do that by faith, it activates the flow of God's power, God's love, God's spirit. It activates the flow of the Spirit of God to penetrate this world, to infuse every person and culture and nation in this world. The flow or flood of God's power comes into the earth, both in the physical and spiritual realms, with such force that all of a sudden God's people are supernaturally, supernaturally energized with power from on high, and because they're relying on supernatural energy, they now have the power to, in a military sense, in terms of spiritual warfare, overcome the side of evil, the side of Lucifer, the side of Satan. It can be overcome. So that takes us exactly to where we are right now in human history regarding our own personal lives, regarding our nation, and regarding this world. Any attempt to understand what I just referenced, any plan to be victorious in the battle that emerges from what I just referenced, all of this, which could be constituted as planning or strategy, etc., etc., which is organized to effectively defeat your primary enemy, your primary opponent, which is the being with the most power, Satan or Lucifer who is using his power, his fallen angels, the people that serve him, who is using everything that he has at his disposal to annihilate, kill, destroy, and remove the children of God, because he has his sights set on defeating, overpowering, killing, and conquering God himself, the supreme being, the, the creator of the universe, capital C. That is his goal. So the backdrop of everything that we're seeing, experiencing, sensing, and trying to process with our minds, the backdrop right now for where we are in human history, the, the massive totality of truth that lies behind the, the one-dimensional projection of truth is the fact that we are involved in this life-and-death spiritual and physical war, and it is the fact 
that God, from the beginning, has been preparing us, educating us, training us, giving us knowledge, giving us wisdom, giving us guidance. God has been investing in us all those assets. God has been grooming and preparing us from childhood to be everything that he created us to be, to be able to access every asset, utilize every gift, talent, and ability, and to be able to walk in his supernatural power and wisdom so that at the end of the day, in the last days, we can defeat the forces of evil, the technologies of evil, the human being organizational structure of evil, the fallen angel structure of evil, and evil in every form that it manifests. So whether it's the Great Reset, whether it's Agenda 2030, whether it's the emergence of this one world government, one world religion, one world economic system, which, which is simply synonymous with the Great Reset. The Great Reset, in short, is the ongoing, at this very moment, it's the ongoing attempted takeover of all of planet Earth, and it's the ongoing, at this very second, attempted enslavement and captivity of all human men and women everywhere. And it's the ultimate coup d'etat where Satan or Lucifer and the fallen angels are attempting to marshal their forces in order to destroy God and his forces, because Satan, in his lust for power, wants to be the supreme being, wants to be God. And so everything that we're dealing with connects itself to that. Now, in a moment, um, as you're listening to the Paul McGuire report, we're going to take it several notches deeper in our understanding of what's happening and then show you how you can apply what God has stored away for you in terms of these heavenly resources, how you can apply them in the last days. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. You are listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. So Jesus Christ was teaching the people and his disciples would gather together in his name. And in Matthew chapter 18, uh, verse 20, it says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So, this teaching of Jesus Christ is applicable, this principle here is applicable in, in numerous ways. The, the first and foremost part of the principle is that when there are two or three believers gathered together in his name, worshiping God, reading the word of God, fellowshipping, when there are two or three believers in Jesus Christ, who are gathered together in his name, then Jesus says, I am there in the midst of them. So, so what this means is that there's this incredible supernatural power, the Godhood, Jesus Christ is Lord. But it doesn't activate, it doesn't fully manifest, it doesn't fully come alive in a particular geographic environment or place unless there are two or three believers in Jesus Christ who are gathering together 
in the name of Jesus. It's kind of like a mini church. It's like what the church is supposed to be, worshiping God, praying, studying the word. And then when this happens, when this physical environmental change happens, two or three are gathered together in the name of Jesus. And then Jesus says, I am there in the midst of them. So first there's a gathering together of true believers in Jesus Christ, and then that situation opens the door for God to manifest himself fully in the midst of them. So it's like, it's, part, it's an equation where when there's two or three of God's people worshiping him, then God says, if there's two or three of my people gathered together in my name, then I will be there in the midst of them. So it's like when these elements come together, there's a release of supernatural power. There's a release of the presence of God. There's, there's a uh, manifestation of the power and, and the being of God. And, and perhaps prior to that, I mean, if you couldn't even come up with two or three people gathered together in his name, and I can talk about any city, any nation, or whatever, let's just say mathematically, we scan through all the cities in the United States, and let's say mathematically, perhaps there are certain communities, certain cities, or whatever, where it could not truly be said of that city that there are two or three believers, true believers in Jesus Christ. And therefore, since there cannot, since no one can find the reality of two or three believers gathered together in his name, then the result doesn't occur, which is he doesn't manifest himself. He doesn't come in the midst of them. He, Jesus Christ doesn't appear to them. He doesn't manifest himself. His spirit doesn't come upon them. He's not, he doesn't come in the midst of them, because in order for Jesus to come in the midst of them, there must be, according to the Word of God, at least two or three true believers in Jesus Christ who are gathered together in God's name. When that scenario is in place, the following will always occur. And the following is, Jesus says, I am there in the midst of them. Okay, so what does this mean? This talks about revival. This talks about transforming your life, your family's life. It talks about transforming the life of a church, the life of a nation. It's applicable to so many areas. So the key here is all of us, especially now, analyzing the current condition of our nation and our world and the powerful nature of our spiritual and physical realm adversaries, this truth still applies. If, if all there was in a particular land were the evil people, motivated by the spirit of Antichrist, this would prohibit God, according to his own principles, from manifesting himself, because there, 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 there's no environment, there's no place located in which there are two or three believers gathered together in his name. So there's a cosmic law, a law of God, that is being touched upon here. And it's one that we see repeatedly throughout the Bible. There's, there's a, 
a phrase that Jesus uses immediately after using this passage, in which he says, you know, after there's two or more gathered together in his name, um, then Jesus says, I am there in the midst of them. But the additional verses say, after I am there in the midst of them, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it for you. So when you look at this spiritual law in its entirety, it tells us that when there are two or three people gathered together in his name, name of Jesus, then Jesus says, I am there in the midst of them. So they will experience a visitation from God. God will show up in their gathering. God will manifest himself in their gathering. Now, what that does, according to the Word of God, is that releases the supernatural power of God that always comes along with and that always attends what happens when God shows up in the midst of his people. When God shows up in the midst of his people, there's an explosion of life, an explosion of the presence of the Lord, and a manifestation of the presence of God and the power of God and the glory of God. God is there in the midst of them. And so you see in the Bible that, and I've talked about this before, and I've, and I've talked about it and opened it up in my books, like a prophecy of the future of America, volume one and two, and um, the other books, like Power from on High. I talk about this principle. The Lord, it, it was one of these moments where I felt I was teaching and studying and had been for years uh, the, the biblical warning about a coming one-world government, one-world religion, and one-world economic system. I, I had discovered, not from theology, but I had discovered first through the study of history, the study of economics, that there was a global plan for a new world order that would consist of a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world economic system. Then it wasn't it was about at the same general time, I began to realize that the book of Revelation, very clearly, as if it was written in a neon sign, very clearly, the book of Revelation talks about a soon coming one world government, one world religion, and one world economic system that will be headed by the Antichrist or Satan. And in order to participate in this economic system, you will have to receive either a nanochip implant, a neural implant, a biochip implant, a microchip implant, a DNA chip implant, or something of that nature, and you will not be able to buy or sell unless you receive this, at some point, this technology will be known as the mark of the beast, 666. And the mark of the beast, 666, is the physical manifestation and the technological manifestation of a of the birth of a one world economic system and a one world government and a one world religion and and the, perhaps the most powerful thing about all of that is that there is coming a merger and a oneness between the one world economic system and the one world religion and this globalist elite that are are taking over the world and they're taking over the world because they, are, they know how to take over the minds of the masses of people, especially in America. They are, they are at present not using physical force at the present moment. They're using 
spiritual deception, and psychological force. They understand that that is a science and a technology, and they paid the price to understand the science and the technology. And you, by the way, and me, and any true child of God, if they aspire to, if they want to, the Lord has opened the door and allowed you to also understand these sciences and technologies that create mind control and spiritual slaves uh, under the, the rulership of Satan, the fallen angels, and men and women who sold their souls to Lucifer. This is all very real. And the globalist elite have rebranded or renamed the New World Order because that was everybody knows that word now. I mean, when I first started talking about it, I was the only person that I knew that publicly talked about the New World Order, the global government, the global religion, and the global financial system. I, I didn't, you know, I read about some people. There were some books published, a couple of speakers here and there across the entire United States. This was a long time ago. This was over 50 years ago. And I was talking about it, and, and the inevitable reaction would, was, you know, oh, he's a conspiracy theorist, or he must be really, really out there. Well, I hate to clue it into all those people who misread the obvious. Not only was I not really, really out there, no pun intended, I was right on the money. I hit pay dirt. And the reason I was able to hit pay dirt, really, if you really want to know the truth, was because of the grace of God, unmerited favor of God, where I sensed that the Lord was prompting me. I sensed that the Lord was guiding me to begin taking a deeper dive in my studying of the book of Revelation and Bible prophecy. And, you know, it ended up with me spending countless hours studying the book of Revelation and Bible prophecy for decades. But it was so crystal clear to me that God was warning us against a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world economic system, because he warns about it in the book of Revelation. He also warns about it in the book of Revelation about the coming Antichrist, the coming false prophet, the mark of the beast system, 666. He talks about all of that as a warning to his people. But in addition to that, when you read those verses carefully, in context with reading other verses that are all over the Bible, you see that God in his usual infinite intelligence and brilliance, God is, while you're reading it, you don't even realize it, but God is very subtly embedding you and very subtly infusing you with high-octane, high-powered knowledge from the kingdom of heaven. He's teaching you about how you can access this incredible power that is beyond description in your own life, in your nation, etc. He's teaching you how you access that power. And he's also exposing how Satan and the fallen angels and those people who are following Satan, the, the globalist elite, how they are all publicly masquerading and pretending to be secular humanists that don't believe in God. That's their pretension. That's the, the mask that they wear, that they're secular humanists. But in reality, behind the scenes, when no one is looking, the vast majority of those that are in the globalist elite are secretly high-level practicing Satanists, Luciferians, witchcraft, the occult, psychic power, <clears throat> and the entire spectrum of occult activities and occult power that ultimately they are accessing through Satan. 
Satan's counterfeit satanic power. So God tells us about this, because we need to know about this if we're going to fight a victorious war against it, because we are in a war against it. There's no denying it. And so God begins to, to leave clues in the Bible. He's leaving clues specifically for his people and specifically for his church. And God specifically intended, if it was operating properly, for organizations like the True Church of Jesus Christ, the true study of the Bible or the Word of God, the true uh, nature of effective prayer, um, Bible teachers, evangelists, pastors, miracle workers, all of these things are callings in the Bible. And they contain, again, massive clues to how. Bible-believing Christians, those people who would be considered the true children of God, can access this supernatural power and be victorious. In other words, this supernatural power brings us into a position where we can operate in full-spectrum dominion, full-spectrum dominance, military doctrine of full-spectrum dominance. The idea is that you dominate, you rule, or you control, or take authority over any location, any nation, any city, any community, whatever it is that you desire to control and rule over. When you're utilizing full-spectrum dominance, you're approaching that challenge with the certainty that you know that it is possible and doable for you to win the battle in any arena or area of life. So why you do this is because in the U.S. military, for example, we have a doctrine, if you want to call it that, of full-spectrum dominance. Whether it's the weather, whether it's water, whether it's manpower, whether it's food supplies, whatever it is, the U.S. military is all about dominating beforehand the full spectrum of any assets or resources or things or people or whatever that may have a, a military value. So the name of the game for the U.S. military is full-spectrum dominance. We dominate, they don't. We dominate before there is a battle or a war. So that way, we can control the end game, in, which is we win. Now, that is just the utilization of common sense, the utilization of intelligence and knowledge, and knowledge gives you power. I just gave you an example of one piece of knowledge and how, if you utilize that one piece of knowledge, you will be granted power, thus the military term, full-spectrum dominance. Now, this has to be applied theologically. It has to be applied spiritually from the biblical perspective. Every ordinary Christian, every pastor, every Bible teacher, every minister, every professor of theology that is indeed teaching the Word of God faithfully, should know and understand the nature of power and how the Bible teaches, among other things, full-spectrum dominance. So you move from having a superficial understanding of the nature of the conflict, you move from superficial understanding, and you move into an area of mental superiority or mental uh, power in which you can harness this power naturally, like in terms of full-spectrum dominance, or in any way, really, that you want to apply it. 
And God's people need to understand at this late hour of the day, you know, one of the first things somebody in the military who, who was high up and was educated and understood uh, military philosophy and thinking, et cetera, the first thing you got to know is that, hey, gee whiz, we are actually at this moment in one of the greatest spiritual battles for the hearts and souls of mankind in the history of the world. That's basically the title of one of my books, which you ought to get at paulmcguire.us. We're basically, or even more definitively, we are right now in a raging all-out spiritual battle for planet Earth and for the souls of mankind. And so it is necessary for those that call themselves the children of God to collectively be awake, as in spiritual, biblical, spiritual awakening, to be awake and understand the fact and the reality that we are in a raging spiritual and physical battle in which there is going to be inevitably a winner and a loser. So before you can enter the battle, you must have a crystal clear awareness, uh, a, a super sobriety, if you will, an explosion of rational, logical, linear thought, which interprets your reality as it should be interpreted accurately, and you understand without any confusion whatsoever that all hell is breaking loose in an invisible realm, and every chaos, every social disruption, every shooting, every catastrophe, every, every act of chaos that you see on a regular basis is due to a raging spiritual battle that is happening simultaneously in another dimension known as the spiritual world or the invisible realm. And so, to be fully aware, cognizant, and awake, you need to be blatantly aware that, hey, I am in a war beyond any conceivable war or battle, and there will be a winner or a loser. And you must have that awakening. If you don't have that awakening, you can never, ever be a participant in an authentic biblical spiritual revival or an authentic biblical spiritual third great awakening. In order to be an agent of or a participant of a biblical third great awakening or a biblical uh, revival, you must, you absolutely must be awake in your mind and your spirit. The mind of Christ must be activated in you. You must be awake intellectually and you must be awake spiritually, like eyes wide open. You, you see it. The problem is there's a massive percentage of people who are Christian and non-Christian who literally have lost their God-given ability to perceive reality, to be awake regarding reality, to be able to uh, interact and understand or harness reality, even though reality is staring them full front in the face. You have to be in a place where it's more than an epiphany. It's more than a realization. It's a fundamental, radical, spiritual revolution that occurs in your inner man or inner woman. It's the dunamis, dynamite power of God, which is part of the Godhood. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And it will ignite in your inner man or inner woman with the force of a, an explosion of life or the dunamis, dynamite power of God, the life of God, the same power that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead will be at work in your life. And so when you are walking in that, what should be 
the normal state of awakeness for God's children. When you're walking in that state of mind, you can understand what's happening. You can project and predict the future. And most importantly, you are then capable of utilizing your God-given capabilities, your God-given faculties. You're able to use them and employ them for his service and for your service in the battlefield. And then your very presence on earth becomes a major problem for the powers of darkness who hide in the invisible realm. Because you are, because you have chosen to be who you are, linked up to God, you are supernaturally transmitting the reality of God, the presence of God, the power of God, the glory of God. You are inevitably transmitting that in multiple dimensions, both physical reality dimensions and dimensions uh, that would be equivalent to the kinds of dimensions described in uh, quantum mechanics and quantum physics. You're, You're a transmitter of this reality, and this is not an artificial reality that you're transmitting. It's not a virtual reality that you're transmitting. What you are transmitting is real reality. It's a witness to the truth and the fact that the truth exists. And this represents enormous, absolutely enormous spiritual power. And when you harness it by by when two or more of you come together in my name, there I will be in the midst of you. When you harness that, there's the dunamis dynamite explosion of the power of the Holy Spirit that literally vaporizes and drives out every tier and ranking of fallen angel and demonic power and gives you as all as well as all of the children of God it gives you the full spectrum dominance you need to overwhelm the forces of antichrist versus the forces of antichrist overwhelming you and the, one of the keys to this though See, all of God's power operates according to God's law. You can't have one without the other. God's power operates in accordance with God's law. So, you harness the power of God, and then you release the power of God, and that gives you the supernatural victory over your enemies. And then, instead of being conquered and made a slave or a captive, you become a conqueror. Uh, you become the ruler and not the, the the person in captivity or the slave. You become the ruler because that's what God created you to be in the beginning. You read the book of Genesis. That's what God created you to be in the beginning. And so it's imperative that you take God at his word and learn how to run with it. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. We will be back in just a moment. This is Paul McGuire. Okay, so if you read, for example, the book of Genesis, we've discussed this before, but it's, it's of the highest priority in understanding the nature of acquiring power, especially spiritual power. And that's something that God wants you to have. Otherwise, God would not have gone into such exhaustive detail from Genesis to Revelation to teach you from countless numbers of ways how to acquire, how to get the supernatural power of God. So in 
Genesis chapter 11. It starts off by saying in verse 1, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. Okay, so the fundamental principle here is that in the beginning, with the beginning of the super-civilization, ancient Babylon, the whole world had one language and a common speech. So this means that the entire world was unified. The entire world was functioning as one. And the center or headship of that one world system was known as ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel. But when God, the true God, the biblical God, when he comes down from heaven to investigate what was happening in ancient Babylon, it's not like he didn't know already. Of course he knew already. But he was coming down to officiate the laws of God, and he was there to judge the people of ancient Babylon and Babylon. He was there to judge them. because. Even at this stage in their development, God knew what was in their hearts, and he knew that the very existence of these people, along with their, their stated plans, was in complete opposition to his plan for mankind, which was based on love and God's goodness. So, um, in verse 5 it says, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people, speaking the same language, they have begun to do this. Okay, this is like so important to understand. I, there, there, I have no words to convey to you that if you don't understand this, you don't understand anything. And yet, <clears throat> for almost the majority of my Christian life, I never heard one teaching or, or preaching <clears throat> communicating anywhere near, near an understanding of what these passages of Scripture in Genesis meant. So, so let's look at it together. So, um, God says that uh, he comes down from heaven to, to check out um, ancient Babylon. And um, he notices that the people in the city, the Tower of Babel, that the people of ancient Babylon were busy building and planning a further structure, a bigger Babylon, one that would encompass the whole earth. They would rule over the whole earth. So it says in verse 5, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people, so here again we're reviewing these words, and they contain the secret to power, enormous power. God is. This is why God is communicating this to us through the Bible. So God said, if as one people, speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, what's this? Their plan that was unfolding right in front of him. So the key danger is that <clears throat> there is enormous power in when people come together and think as one and act as one. When people come together under the same plan or purpose. When this principle is adhered to, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then it says, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible. So what God is saying is if 
human earth people, the people of ancient Babylon, when they began to function, if as one people, and spoke the same language, then God says, that's going to release this unbelievable, dangerous power on planet Earth. And then God continues, then nothing, no matter how evil it is, nothing, um, nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. So they're evil, they can accomplish anything because of their evil unity, and whatever they fantasize about doing or plan about doing or whatever, nothing God says will be impossible to them because they're functioning according to my principle of unity, which works for the evil people as well as the good people. And that's something that Christians need to understand. Um, So the people, and then also God looked in their hearts, their hearts were one, but their hearts were one under the spirit of mankind. But more importantly, the entire Babylonian system, which God was watching with his own eyes, the entire mystery Babylon system, the entire Tower of Babel, the whole one world government, one world religion, and one world economic system that God was looking at right then and there when he was checking out Babylon, he knew that was in the center of the people's hearts was that they were worshiping and totally focused on and worshiping Lucifer. They were deriving their power, their wisdom, and and every fiber of their being was connected to Lucifer or Satan. And God knew that the result of that would be a horror beyond any horrors. It, it, God was not upset at them because, you know, God was like, it has an infantile emotional development, and he was mad because the people were worshiping Satan rather than him. That's not what it was about. God knew that if the people could function as one, this would release an unspeakable amount of supernatural energy into all the people on planet Earth and into planet Earth itself. And then God warns us anything, no matter how dark their vision is, anything that they propose to do or plan to do, they will now be able to do because they're functioning as one. That is one of the most powerful secrets of Mystery Babylon. But again, that power is available to the evil people and Satan's people, but it's also available to God's people, because it's a law of God, whether it's used by evil people or good people. The condition for releasing this enormous supernatural power is that the people have to come together and function as one, whether they're evil or whether they're good. Babylon and Mystery Babylon was a mind-blowing wonder of its time. It was like the kingdom of heaven on earth. And yet, when God was checking it out, he could see into the hearts of the people, and yes, he saw that they were functioning as one. That's what unlocked the power flow. But God also knew that uh, in their hearts they they were one in Lucifer. They were worshiping Lucifer, and that's why he warned about it. And we need to be warned about it. But it doesn't stop there. In that teaching from God about how unity produces power, God also teaches his children, you and me, in his word and through the the teaching and, and actions of Jesus Christ, God in the Old Testament and God in the New Testament repeatedly teaches us over and over again that God has given us the supernatural body of Christ, the children of God. God has given us a download of the most infinite 
supernatural power beyond anything you can possibly imagine. And so the key here is that God wants us to access as one, because that's, that's God's law. That's the condition. That's the lawful condition about how you access the power. You have to come together as one. A true unity. That can release satanic power, or that can also release the power of God. Obviously, we want to release the power of God. So, visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. We'll be back in a second, and I want to tell you how you can access that power in your life and in your nation's life. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. This is the Paul McGuire Report. Okay, so let's let's review this again very quickly, because this is the principle of releasing supernatural spiritual power. So in the account of ancient Babylon, in Genesis 11, we see that God comes down to check out or judge or evaluate ancient Babylon, which meant he had heard very dangerous and dark things were happening there. So the Lord comes down to ancient Babylon, which man had built, and God observes the Tower of Babel, and he observes the city of ancient Babylon. And then it says, and the Lord said, quote, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. So, the critical thing here is God is pointing out and teaching us about the law of unity, and the law of unity can work for evil people or good people, just like the law of gravity is applicable to good people and evil people. And so God also observes in order to teach us that uh, the people are one, or, which means the people are of one accord, and they all have one language. So they all have one language, they are of one, one accord, the people are one, and whatever they plan to do in their wildest imagination, God says, they will have the power to do it because they're operating <clears throat> within God's principle of unity. Now, God expects us to understand that so that we can counterbalance that and act on it in our own lives. It's just that simple. This is not some, you know, esoteric knowledge that God is teaching us. God wants us to have supernatural power. Supernatural power was not created for the benefit of the wicked, but for the benefit of those that are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Again, you're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. So when we go to the book of Acts, especially starting at verse 4, it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise, capital P, of the Father, which he said, You have heard of me. So here Jesus Christ is visiting um, his apostles, his disciples, in the upper room, and they're gathered together. The idea is they're gathered together as one or being assembled together. And then he joins them. And then he says to them, uh, in verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So the key emphasis here is that they're supposed to be, because remember Jesus commanded them to do this, to to wait in Jerusalem until the Father sent them power from on high. So, um, in this particular passage, that, that truth is about to be revealed. And 
So they gathered together in the upper room. And then in verse 14, it says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. This is, is almost precisely the same type of unity that was being demonstrated in the people of ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel. When God came down to check out ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel, he observed that the people were like one, that they had come together as one, they were functioning as one. And he made a particular observation of that fact because it illustrates one of the most powerful spiritual laws that he wants you and I and his people to understand. So here we see a coming together as one, not among the evil people or the satanic people. Here we see his disciples coming together as one in the upper room. And not only that, they're praying together with one accord in prayer and supplication. So now we zoom in even closer. The activity they're involved in as they have come together in one is to pray together as one as one accord in prayer and supplication. So they even on a more micro level, they're coming together as one to pray for specific things, supplication. And what happens is power from on high begins to be poured out upon them. Why? Because this is what Jesus prophesied. They had operated in the laws of God, the principle of coming together as one. They had obeyed Jesus to to come to Jerusalem and wait on the Father in prayer as one until he sends them the the promise, which is the dunamis dynamite power of God. The, The turning point for the spiritual battle, whatever is happening in your life now, or the life of someone you know, whatever is happening in your community, city, nation, or world right now, The most important thing that you could possibly know is that God has already supernaturally equipped you with the ability and power you need to be victorious, or God is ready to go and lead you to the source that you need so that you can understand simply how you can acquire the power of God now, which will function as a game changer in any spiritual or other kind of battle you may be in. Whatever the name of the battle is, what I'm talking to you about from the Bible has far, far, far more power than any earthly battle that you're involved in. And if you want to see God move with his game-changing power, you need to come together as one, and you need to pray to God in the name of Jesus, and whatever you ask God in Jesus' name, he'll do it with you. Now, praying together as one, you may say, I I don't have anybody. Make a commitment via email, text, letter. Um, Maybe you know someone. But, But don't wait. Begin praying you to God. And then have God lead to you somebody else that you can come together as one. Now, another way this works, and I want you to pay very close attention. If you have the intention and desire of praying to God and asking God to do something supernaturally and with his power, and and physically all you have basically is yourself, for whatever reasons, and of course God who's listening to you. Okay, so you're already in communication with God. God hears your prayer. 
Now, you need that force multiplier. You need to expand the power of your prayer. So what do you do? You don't have somebody physically that can, can join you. You can do it electronically over the Internet. And, of course, you want to be careful and guarded about what you say and to who. But you see, I know that there are countless numbers of people praying for me, my family, and this ministry. And when I pray to God, it's not just me praying to God. It's not just people at Paradise Mountain Church. It's people all over the place that are praying to God. We're joining together. You see, the true supernatural body of Christ, they know who they are. And so for in your case, you may not know about somebody physically who's already praying for you, but God has dropped a burden on their heart to pray for you. You may not even know it. So if you add that together with the fact that you're praying to God, You've got that two or more alignment, and you can be confident that if you're moving together, whether it's electronically, through social media, or whatever, if you're moving together, or however you can arrange for interaction, the coming together as one, and then pray, that's, those are the basic tools you need to launch the rocket. And you will see the miracles of God emerge in your life. And I want to add to that is you will see the dunamis dynamite power of God. And that power, that supernatural power of God that you are in the process of releasing, some of you are just now learning about how to release it. The point is you're walking in obedience to Jesus. You're in the process of releasing the supernatural power of God, especially in accordance with the uh, law of God's law of oneness. And so you're moving by faith. And whatever you ask for, it will be done by our Father who is in heaven. Now, the implications of that is this. Entire assaults against the body of Christ, the very unrighteousness that is hovering over the spiritual atmosphere of America, the lawlessness, the crime, the rebellion, the infiltration, every demonic work that is fiercely waging war in the invisible realm and sometimes targeted towards the children of God, we don't sit there in a stupor, allowing ourselves to be, become extinct. We immediately are awake, and we understand we need to be aware of the fact that we're in a raging spiritual battle, and the only way that we can win the raging spiritual battle is to call on the supernatural power of God, and I've given you an outline on how we do that. So, what God expects from you now, you say, well, how can you be so presumptuous to say that? Because I, I walk with God. You walk with God. You know what God wants. He wants this to multiply. So I ask you to join us in the multiplication of this biblical truth. As we multiply this biblical truth together, we get more and more people of, who are of one accord, more and more people who will pray in faith for legitimate biblical power from one high. And together, when we come together as one, we can expect to initiate and see a massive game changer over the spiritual and next physical atmosphere of America, and it will move through the world. Now, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm not talking about Mary Poppins. I'm not talking about uh, Cinderella or something like that. I'm talking about biblical principles, and these spiritual battles are hard fought. They're not easily won. So don't anybody misunderstand me uh, concerning preaching something that's, you know, a placebo effect. I'm talking about real reality, nitty-gritty reality. I need your help in spreading the word. The faster we spread it, the more momentum we can achieve collectively, and that releases the power of God in our family, our lives, the people we know, and in our nation.
Keep me in your pray- prayers. This is your brother in Christ, Paul McGuire. And visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. Or The Zone. I'm challenging you to pray to God while you're in the flow state or you're in the zone. And wait, stay in the zone or the flow state and wait until God answers you and tells you what to give and what to do while you're in the flow state. Now, when you learn how to do that, and it's not new age, it's not magic, I think I'll do a follow-up show to prove to you the biblical nature of it, you'll discover that your prayers will be answered more powerfully. You will hear the voice of God telling you to do things that require, require a boldness and a faith that only entering the flow state of the zone can produce. And when God speaks to you while you're in the flow state of the zone, because remember something, God 24-7 is always in the flow state. He's always in the zone. And when God's people learn how to walk with under power from on high, or are clothed with power from on high, we will rock this nation because we will no longer be mere Christians. We will be Christians operating at our maximum God-given potential. God bless you. May the power of the Lord anoint you. May God clear up any questions you have regarding true biblical spirituality and legitimately learning how to run and operating your brain at peak performance, at a flow state, at or in the zone. May the Lord clear up any ambiguities or possible questions you might have. May he give you intellectual, but most of all, thorough biblical understanding into these deep truths. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us.